This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. We help you spend less time selling and more time advising by turning you into a trusted subject matter authority with a growing audience of adoring followers who do the advertising for you. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more. Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now, here is your host, Barron's Hall of Fame advisor, Jonathan Cutin. Welcome to another episode here of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. The double J's, J-O-N's are back in the house. I think Mr. John Randall from Dynamic Directions, you may now be my most sought after guest. I believe this is your fourth appearance. Am I right, John? That's right. Yeah. I love being on these. It's, it's uh, such a pleasure. Absolutely. And we love having you. And evidently our audience does as well, because we've gotten uh, a bunch of requests to have you back on to continue to talk a little bit about how to create scale within a, a financial planning practice. And I think more specifically, John, and this comes from some of the joint coaching clients that John and I work with together. Part of it, what we found is about how do you create scale? And then more importantly, as you get kind of under the weeds, once you have that vision and you have some of those ideas, it's about that E word execution. And I know, John, one of your specialties is really helping advisors execute on their business plan. So super excited about our conversation today. And I'll have you chime in and and talk a little bit about what you're thinking. Yeah, execution is a gap. There's so many great ideas out there. There's so many great podcasts like this that there's excellent information around. But I hear great practices, great advisors. They get information. They learn it. They go to a conference. They learn something and they come back to the world and nothing happens. So really executing on these great ideas is what's so important. And that's what John Cutton has been excellent at. You look at all these great ideas, they are implemented in their practice, which is why they're experiencing turbo level growth. So we're going to talk about the elements of execution, how to take all these ideas, how to put them in play, how to get them installed in your practice so you can get massive results just like John Cutton. So John, Why do you think it's so hard for advisors? I mean, I kind of get it from my perspective, but why why is it? Is it just that we're all so busy or what do you see out in the field? It's usually that one. It's the busyness. It's the whirlwind of the day. This is a complex business. A lot comes at us with with clients and compliance and all kinds of stuff. Then the markets do funny things and uh, we react to it. So it, it really does come down to time and it comes down to capacity, the big word that we've talked about in the past when it, when it comes to scale. And so the, these ideas quickly go away when we're busy. We get back to the whirlwind, things are busy, we get back to our routines. And that's the other aspect of it too. You know, as humans, we build, you know, our brain craves equilibrium. Our brain loves routines and doing the same kind of things. So when we have something new, the brain will resist it. 
And so it our mind will trick us to continually go back to our old ways. So I'm going to talk about a, a psychological aspect of this too, to help you overcome, you know, change and implementing some new things. That's a lot of the work. I'm finishing up my uh, doctorate in performance psychology. And a, a lot of this is just, just being a human being. Just regular human beings, sometimes the way we are built, some of this stuff is hard to do. So it's that combined with being busy. That is the number one roadblock I see in advisors executing on these awesome ideas. So can, can we drill down on that a little, John? When you talk about that psychological impact, I, I, I'm always super interested in learning about how the brain works and, and all that kind of stuff. Maybe we can drill down on that. Yeah, so there's a uh, a great theory around change that my whole you know dissertation is really based around, and, and it's 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 really about how entrepreneurs and financial advisors how we went through change in, in during the the pandemic last year it was forced upon us. Advisors had to do things quickly. They had to suddenly meet people virtually. They had to market virtually. It was like bizarre world is really different, but the best shifted quickly and they did it. So there, there's three stages of change that we go through. And the first one's the hardest. It's letting go of the old ways. So the endings. So remember, our brain always gravitates to our old ways because that's what's comfortable. That's that equilibrium. Our brain's always going to hold back to this is the way we do things around here. Something else doesn't sound so good. So think about not in business, other things. Uh, a very common example is an exercise routine. So some people might have a New Year's resolution. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do this. It, it quickly goes away. That, that habit, that routine doesn't get there. Our mind says, whoa, getting up early and going to the gym, that's not what we do around here. <laughs> it's like and you're so, in my mind, John. I that every morning, yes. So it's the same in, in business. And it's these, these new things that come at us. And it might be a different way of thinking. You know, I see a lot of this like diamond team approach to, you know, service at clients, really, really popular here in a lot of podcasts, huge fan of it. It's great, but it's different for a lot of advisors. They would have to restructure things. And so it's easier to gravitate to the old ways. The, the other challenge we face in change in phase two is this funky transition phase before we get to the other side. To embark on something new, there's a lot of fear and anxiety that just exists around it in, in humans. It's almost like you're standing on a cliff and you're going to jump off. You don't know if you have a parachute, if there's a net down there that's going to catch you. That's a little bit scary. So we're in this weird, funky stage as an individual and your team members might be experiencing the same thing, even more so than you. So it's a really strange point where we're kind of at our pit of productivity that we're not really at our best. It's like walking through a scary woods that we can't really see where we're going in that, that weird transition period. Now, the other side is the new beginnings. It's the new ways. And it is that, you know, the grass is actually greener over here. This is much better. So to transition through the tough parts, the letting go, the transition phase, the new beginnings, 
to get to the other side is great, but we struggle on those first two stages are, are really, really hard. So I'll frame those as we'll kind of use that as our theme here. We'll frame that as we talk about the nuts and bolts of implementing some of these ideas and where people struggle, but that's a lot of the root of it. So outside of being busy in capacity, just the way we are, we're going to always hold on to those old ways and it's going to hold us back. That's the way we are as humans. Yeah, no, love it. And I, I've stole this from someone like everything else that I say, but I look at it and speak a lot about just stacking habits and, you know, Mm. in, in my own life and in our own financial planning practice, that's something that we really try to have in our culture is how do we add two or three new habits, right? On a quarterly basis is how we uh, attempt to do it. You're, you're, you're spot on just to kind of reiterate those three pieces or those three parts of the process are one, letting go of your old ways, which is hard. Two is that transition phase while you're in it. And once you've kind of, to use your analogy before, once you start to sort of show up at the gym, it's now while you're there, it's a little uncomfortable because you might not know how to use all the machines and you might not yeah. you know, have the right clothes and it's, it's uncomfortable. And I think a lot of people probably quit in that transition phase. And then it's ultimately when you get to that other side, it's a new beginning and you're, you're comfortable in that new role, whatever it may be. And that hopefully that habit now is a habit that ultimately sticks. So yeah, and habits are interesting on on average. There's a lot of studies show it takes like six weeks for a habit to, to set in. But that's average. Some habits take six months to set in. Some take like six hours in, in, in their they're in. If you think about a different example, think about brushing your teeth with the opposite hand that you're used to. It would feel really strange, but after you did it for a while, you would get pretty good at it. So it, it is getting through that uncomfortableness to the other side. If, if really it's worth it, if there's something worth it, that's better on the other side, we've got to push ourselves to expand, to be uncomfortable, to get to this funky stage. That's going to be tough to the, the new beginnings, the better parts, the better implementation on the other side. Yeah, certainly no no growth without getting uncomfortable seems to be uh, a theme of all leadership folks out there. So completely it, it, agree. It is. Hey, real quick on habits. Uh, I'll reference the books as we go. Atomic Habits, fantastic book. And, and I like this stacking that you said, John. I think that's an excellent one where you can, it's basically like pairing a habit you already have with a, a new habit you're trying to install. It makes it a little bit easier. And, and one of the other you know, themes of that book, I, I just went back and, and reread it. It's so good. There's so much good stuff in there. But it talks about just getting 1% better every day. You don't have to suddenly be like 50 or 100% better, like a, a light switch going off, just a little bit better every day and take steps towards implementation, take steps towards the new things. I mean, if you add up a little small change every day over time, it can add up to really big change. So take these big daunting things and breaking them down into smaller palatable chunks that can make some of this a little bit easier to implement as well. So you're thinking me trying to lose 20 pounds in a week might be the reason that I can never seem to lose 20 pounds. Is that what I'm hearing? That's a tough one, dude. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm saying that just uh, as a joke, but it's it's very easy to get discouraged if you have the wrong expectation. So, John, from a process perspective, I know this is a, a really big part of your coaching, helping people to actually you know, get granular, so to speak, and really focus on executing uh, on the plan. 
is there a process that you use as you think about it as you're engaging with your clients there's got to be kind of a, a a standard operating procedure about the way you help people do that and i don't know if that's getting too into the nitty-gritty but if you could share i'm sure our audience would love it yeah at a high level we always want to begin with the end in mind great Stephen Covey learning. So if we know where we're going, what the other side looks like, that, that's where we need to start. And then we just need to work backwards for what needs to happen to get us there. So you think about climbing up a mountain, uh, there's a lot of steps to get there. Or you just think about simply a staircase in your home, if you have one. What is the top of the staircase you're trying to get to? And then what are the steps to get there? So once we have that end in mind, I see having some kind of implementation date really helps. So we've got a deadline. I'm going to lose those 20 pounds on by June 30th, or we're going to have this fully installed by June 30th. So that helps. The other parts of that too are, are how do we measure this? How do we know it was installed? How do we know it was successful? So what's maybe like a score that we could put as part of it. And then as we kind of backtrack the steps to get there, it's really just plotting out the time. What's gonna be worked on and when? Who's gonna be part of this? You don't have to move everything in your firm. Your team can help move some rocks. So if we use traction, EOS terminology, other people can help move rocks in, in your firm. So it's looking exactly who's going to do what and when and planning it out. With time and capacity being such an issue, a lot of this is just simply calendaring out. Having time that, you know what, we're going to pause for 30 minutes on a Wednesday or whatever day it might be, and we're going to work on this together. We're going to move this a little bit at a time. We're going to get this going. So the best teams that I see implement, they, they work together, whether it's a committee or certain people that are going to push this rock to get it implemented. And they're marching towards, they're taking those steps towards that deadline to get it done. So it's just a basic process of format, especially as your teams get bigger. It's pretty simple to do. You might hit some bumps along the way. You might get through it faster than expected, which is great, but it's knowing where you're going. It's planning those steps. It's organizing who's going to do what and when. That is such a simple formula to get things going. Big fan of uh, EOS, right? The Entrepreneurial Operating System. We actually use that within our practice as well. So yep. super familiar with it. I'm going to put you on the spot a little. Unrehearsed, by the way, for the I love it for, for, for real, right? So <laughs> sometimes when when for me in particular, and I presume maybe other listeners as well, when you talk about sort of like hypotheticals, it is harder to envision what the process actually looks like to, to create this change. Let's do a little coaching role play, abbreviated. So I'm a coaching client of yours, and let's say that in you know q1 here of 2022 around the corner i i you and i decided that we should work in my business on i don't know how about transitioning more clients in the practice who don't have a financial planning engagement for a fee which is one that we are working on in our practice by the way so i'm cheating a little trying to get some free advice from you um, to to convert them to actually do planning and that, that's something that I think lots of advisors have an opportunity to do in their business. So I'm your coaching client. I'm putting in your hands. 
we've just agreed on that. Maybe you can walk me through and the audience through kind of what that would look like and how you could help hold me accountable and, and make that that rock, as we call it, actually a reality. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll preview that the techniques used here is consultants. We, we tell, we show best practices, but as coaches, we ask questions and you lead other people to figure out the answers and to walk their own way. So it's kind of like a kid, you tell them it's bedtime. They don't want to go to bed, but if they have an idea, they're going to do something, they're going to do it. So, so you'll see just questions that just leads John towards, you know, what exactly he's going to do. So John, let's start in the end with the end in mind. You want more financial planning implementation within your practice, what does that look like? Down the road, how many clients, how much new revenue, how would you define this as a successful venture for the firm? Right now, I have about 250 clients in my practice, um, about 50 of those clients, about 20% or so, 20, I guess uh, you know, a little over that. Can't do math in my head these days, but 50 of them are engaged in financial planning. I actually believe that I can move that number over the next couple of years to something like 80%. And I think I could provide more value to the clients, generate substantially more revenue and get deeper penetration into winning more business with the clients. I love this. This is an excellent, excellent goal. I'm a huge believer in it. It definitely works in other practices. Now, who else on the team is going to help with this? Is this all on your shoulders or are others going to help with engaging clients in financial planning? I mean, these are my clients. so. My assistant, Krista, is my right hand. She certainly can help me get the meeting scheduled and help me get, get the plans done and all that as we, get it, as we get it running. How many of these clients, let's call them upgrades, how many of these upgrades do you think you'll handle over time? How many, let's just start per week. How many per week do you think you're capable of upgrading? I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I guess... 80% of 250 is about 200. I have 50. So I'd, add, I'd like to add 150. So I don't know if I could do that all in one year. Maybe I could try to do it over like, say, three years. So maybe 50 a year would get me there over the next three years. Maybe I could do a little bit more than that. But I think I could commit to one upgrade a week, which would be pretty cool because I'd convert 50 new planning clients in the next 12 months. One upgrade a week sounds very achievable. What might hold you back from getting that one little upgrade every single week with a client? First is doing it because I've been thinking about this for a long time and I haven't really done it. I, th I think just inertia. I mean, I, I think the clients, they'd say yes. Usually when I ask, my clients do what I ask them to do. And then I'm just a little afraid of maybe being able to get all the work done. I think I could do it. Excellent. Well, we can work on the positioning. We can practice that. Your team can work on capacity, how they can handle the work, how you can handle the work on the back end. Now, as we go through this, if, if you're finding that one a week's too much, too little, how do you think you can stay on track for achieving this goal within the next three years? I think I you know, probably need to set the appointments and, and maybe even I found that if I leave it to myself, it usually doesn't happen as often as I'd like. So maybe I could just have Krista set those appointments for me and maybe put together a list of maybe the easiest people who would say yes first and have her set those appointments for me. Love this. Now, it sounds like Krista can maybe be a little bit of an accountability partner in this as well. Like it was your relationship with her. 
at the level that she can help keep this on track and make sure we're getting one of those upgrades every week. Yeah, Krista's awesome and she loves to tell me what to do. She would she would be great. I've done stuff like this with her before, John, and usually what I do is I just I differentiate it a little. So I give her like a little bonus or something like that. Where if if she gets, you know, at the end at the end of the quarter, that one per week as an example, you know, maybe I get her a Starbucks gift card or a couple of bucks or something along those lines. She loves stuff like that. I love this. Incenting people is so important, especially with these big initiatives that you're trying to drive. Now, John, if this is going really well and it's easy, the clients are saying, yes, you're handling the work. Are we allowed to do more than one per week to accelerate your results? Yeah. I mean, of course, if we could do more, we could, but I, I honestly, John, I feel like one a week would keep me really busy and I got to then do that work, right? 50 new plans is a lot of work in one in one year. So I guess the short answer is maybe. Excellent. Well, hey, we've got a game plan here. You've got a goal. You've got a time frame. You've got a weekly palatable thing you can do. You've got a workout partner in Krista that can help keep you on track. And hey, our coaching sessions, we're going to check in and make sure that you're on track. We'll also be an accountability partner as we go. There it is. It's pretty, you know, it's not very difficult to take something daunting like this. I mean, this would be a big shift for the practice, but it's breaking it down into what needs to happen in these palatable chunks. And you did it as a pretend client. You did a great job <laughs> going through it. Well, thank you. You did an amazing job as well. It was, a, it was a long time ago that you only had 250 clients. <laughs> yes, I actually have zero now, as you know, so even better. And, and you know, it's interesting, John, I've seen you do this live with some of our coaching clients. You generally then even get slightly more granular. Yeah. I've seen you get, get the, that person's Krista onto the coaching call and have, you know, he or she commit to the actions and make it time bound about when they're going to set those appointments. And I've watched John drill down and who are the 50 people we're going to call and exactly 75 because you're not going to get all 50 and kind of work the math, like you said before, backwards. And what's nice, I mean, in the, I mean, I, I, I've been in all of your shoes. I, I was an advisor for a very long time. And so I know the gaps. I know the stuff I didn't do. I know <laughs> the stuff I could have done better. I know the stuff that did go really well. So uh, it's easy to see, you know, where's this not going to work? But you'll see that very common, whether it's you implementing something as an individual or you implementing something with your team, it does help to have other humans on your team kind of help going. I, I always loved, everyone knows or has heard of Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was actually the youngest Mr. Universe ever before he was you know, a famous actor and, and, and governor of California. And he always said that his workouts were much better when he had a workout partner. He said by himself, he didn't do as much, but when there's a workout partner, he did much, much more. And he did more than, than planned. And the workout partners pushed each other to go. If you've got an incentive with a, with a workout partner and you're both working towards something and they're running with you, it, it helps. It, it makes a big difference. So whether, if you have someone on your team that can be your partner through these new initiatives, it really helps. If not, find an external workout partner. Spouses can be pretty darn motivating. You might have another advisor, you know, or there might be somebody else that's just a friend that you could leverage to make sure that you're on track for something that's really, really important to get going in your business. 
Yeah, completely agree, John. And we we made that look and sound easy, right? To your point, step one is letting go of the old ways. Step two is that transition phase. And kind of like the great Mike Tyson says, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. It works really well until you have a really busy week, right? Yes. And you've got a vacation scheduled or the market drops and then you get diverted. So I think accountability partners are really good to to, uh, kind of do a little shameless selling for you. That's where hiring a coach makes sense because most Krista's out there, in my example, aren't going to lead up to the advisor if he or she doesn't execute on the plan. And when you have a, a coach that can help you through all of the problems and the kind of the minutia, right? All of that complexity in between letting go of the old ways and getting to that new beginning phase, they'll help you kind of get through all of those difficulties. Yeah, they do. And look at, look at a lot of the best athletes have an arsenal of coaches. They'll have like a mental conditioning coach, they'll have a performance coach, they'll have like a mechanics coach. And look at John Cutton. You've got a lot of coaches and consultants you work with. I I work with three myself, three different coaches on three different aspects of of improvement. And it helps a lot. I I mean, I'm obviously a a believer in it. I do this full time for living now, but it helps. You know, you look at the Tom Brady's and the, the real outlier athletes. I mean, they attribute a lot of their help to that other coach, that other partner, it, it does make a, a difference. And, and if you're going to go down that route, you just, you got to find someone that that's a fit for you. That's your style. That's going to work. And it's going to help you get results that you're not currently getting. Couldn't agree more. Top, top performers generally have coaches. And it's interesting. I'm a kind of a good case study on that. I didn't really start engaging coaches probably until about maybe five years ago or so. Uh, And I did just fine up to that point, but I actually credit a lot of the explosive growth that we've had in our business over the last five years or so to learning new things. We talk sometimes about who, not how, right? Bringing in different who's that have specific skill sets to solve problems that either I'm not good at solving or quite frankly, don't have enough time. Uh, or resources to solve on my own. So I, I couldn't agree more. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. Proudmouth. Tired of chasing potential clients? We help you spend less time selling and more time advising by amplifying your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more. Be your own loud. You know, John, one of the things I wanted to come back to is kind of going a little out of order here, but how do you help advisors and business owners and entrepreneurs determine what the right rocks are? There are a lot of advisors out there that are great practitioners, but they didn't sign up to be the CEO of the business. And I, you know, I, I think about that in terms of not everyone has a vision. Not everyone can look three or five or 10 years out and be able to say, well, here are the things that I need to start to do today in order to actually you know, bring that big three, five, 10 year vision to light. So do you have any words of wisdom there? Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many things that could be done. You've got to narrow down and select 
what would be the most impactful for the firm? That's really what you got to organize. What's the one that you should prioritize above all others that would bring the biggest impact to the firm? Now, it's okay to have a list of, of others that you might do in the future that you might work on. I see, see a lot of people take the Vision Traction Organizer, an EOS tool from the Traction book. Great, great tool. I'll see them use the on page two of that. There's your goals for the year, your quarterly rocks you're going to work on. Then there's an issues list. And I see a lot of teams treat that as here's the list of stuff that we wished we were implementing in the firm, but here's the biggest one, the most impactful that I'm going to make the rock for, for this particular quarter. So, so what is most impactful? You know, if you're trying to drive more revenue and profits for the firm, you know, what's going to do that? Is it more clients and, and assets in the door? Is it working on your, your value and price and increasing your revenue that way? What is it that's going to bring the big impact for the firm if that's your, your focus? I mean, the best ones of these are tied to clients. I mean, they are everything. And so ones around improving the experience uh, that they're having, the amount of contact that top clients get. I mean, those are really important ones. For anyone that was at the uh, Forbes Top Performer Conference, it was just, just a few weeks ago, I think it was Invesco talked about their research and how likely clients are to refer when they're getting a lot of touches. In fact, it was monthly meaningful contacts, they were like 94.7% likely to refer. So things around clients that, that deliver a, a better experience, it leads to a lot of growth in itself. So I would just be looking at what are those things? If you're looking for improvements to install, I, I got a good friend who's a, um, was basically an operations consultant in the, uh, in the medical industry, specialized in going into hospitals and helping them. And their process was, what's the highest volume thing you do around here? Treating patients was the highest volume thing. So they looked at that and, and evaluated, how can we make this simpler? How can we make it less steps? It was high impact. What's the highest impact thing on the bottom line or the experience of the patient in our world, the, the client? That's really what, where you want to start. And, and be careful not to take on too many. I see firms get really excited about this and they'll have three or five or six initiatives they'll be running with and they sort of paralyze themselves. It's okay to have one at a time. And it's okay to have, we're going to do one and we're just going to go after it this quarter. And then the next 90 days, every week, we're going to push this rock and we're going to get it installed. And then once it's installed, we're going to go to the next one on the list, the highest priority. We're going to push that one. So always be thinking highest impact to the firm, highest impact for clients. That's where you should be starting with prioritization. Yeah. Guilty as charged, my friend, trying to do <laughs> things at once. Um, guilty as charged. So, and, and we also super familiar with the VTO as well. And we, we use that process. All this is fresh in my mind. Next week, we have our kind of annual like leadership offsite for our business. So we're working through all that now and identifying our, our rocks as well. Mm -hmm. What we found is we try to focus on three rocks a quarter, no more, but three rocks a quarter. We've been able to historically be able to execute pretty well as a team and get those three rocks ultimately done. But I'll tell you, as you get into it, and so I, I asked, because we struggle with it, as to prioritizing what the right rock actually is to focus on. So I thought what you had shared is helpful. It's it's the that which will give you the 
biggest bang for the buck. One of the things that we found is sometimes what you need to focus on first isn't even something that will create growth. It might just, to your point, be the, the thing that you do most often that you need to simplify in order to create more time so that you can actually deal with some rocks that will create more you know, profit and things along those lines. Have you found the same? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And in, in look, servicing clients is the highest volume thing in this business. So how could you reorganize conversations with clients, sort of like the supernova advisors have? Could you stretch out what you do over the year and do it in less time overall? Is there a way to reduce the prep time for you and your team before, make it more efficient, the follow-up time? So yeah, be looking at, you know, what's all the things that hold you back there and to increase the number of conversations with clients you're having per week. I mean, that's where the rubber hits the road. When you talk to clients, stuff tends to happen. They have rollovers, they bring in assets and they have opportunities and you help them with stuff. And we get paid when you help them with stuff. It, it, it really is helpful to increase the, the amount of things that you can do in this particular area of the high volume servicing that we do and everything tied to it. How can we do it in less steps? less times, more efficiency. That's where I see a lot of the topics throughout the year, like the seasons of advice, not doing everything all at once, every time grinding clients out with long meetings. It's, Hey, let's talk about one topic and keep it simple. Keep it short. Give lots of value in that one topic. The next time it's a new, fresh topic. You keep it simple. You do that one thing over the course of the year, you give a lot of value and cover a lot with clients, but it's a lot less prep. People in manufacturing would call that you know, batch processing. You're doing a lot of the same things at the same time. So the prep's the same. The conversations are the same. The follow-up or any paperwork or signatures, that's all the same. Yeah, the, these are the... It, it's it's big things that drive growth. It's things that it, it drive efficiencies. These are two really, really popular items of big rocks that I see people work on. Yeah, nope, makes a ton of sense. So... As always, my friend, amazing dialogue. I love chatting with you. And the best part is I get to pick your brain while you're on my podcast. So got some good <laughs> ideas uh, for the practice as well. John, anything again, you know, our theme today was really a combination of talking about our advisors, our listeners are looking to scale their businesses and how to not just have the ideas, but how to actually execute on those ideas. Anything that I didn't ask you about or any other helpful hints that you'd want to share before we kind of wrap things up? I think one other quick hint is just thinking about this from your team's perspective. So we talked a lot about you as the lead advisor or owner of your firm. A lot of this applied to you, but look, it, it's hard for team members to go through change. In fact, it's harder, much harder for the, the advisors on your team, the team members on your team that are supporting. It's going to be harder for them to go through change. So you're going to have to hold their hand and really help them through it and know that they are going to have a lot more fear and anxiety than you would when it comes to doing something different. It's very common that something new is like, oh, there's going to be a lot of work and you know, I'm not going to like this. But the quicker you can help them through the ending stage of the way we used to do things, the transition of we're not sure what this is going to be like, the faster you can get people to the other side to see that this is much better. That's really your role as a leader in your firm is just helping people through these, these changes. And look, the things that you've done to this point have gotten you here. You've got to do things differently 
differently to get to the next point. To scale, to really grow and implement these things, you have to think differently, do things differently, and your team will have to go through the same transition. They're going to have to think differently. They're going to have to do things differently. And it's really up to you as a leader to hold their hand through it and make sure that they're comfortable with what is on the other side and that life is so much better over there. And how can we get there as fast as possible? Yeah. No. Well said, my friend. Well said. And as I kind of wrap things up here, John, thanks again for being our guest. Some shameless selling of my own. John and I are actually going to be hosting a mastermind group that we'll be doing jointly in the near future. If anybody has any interest in that, you can shoot John or I an email about that. It is uh, generally for what's our minimum target of revenue that we have in that group, John? I forget. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really someone that's, that's at least doing a half million a year, you know, preferably a a million plus is probably where these things will be relevant. So we're going to pull the curtain back on what Cutton's doing, how he gets this explosive 50% levels of growth on already a massive size practice. So you're going to get more of being able to ask him directly, get more nuts and bolts of how the heck this is, this is done. I find a lot of practices hit like a sound barrier, like 1.5 million, 3 million are kind of common ones, glass ceilings to break through. John's bust through all these I have, I've helped, you know, practices bust through these. So if you're in that zone, you're really looking to grow like John Cutton, this cool little mastermind group. I mean, it's going to help you break through much faster. The other part of of being in something special with a very small group is you're going to learn from other people. Someone in the group is going to figure out something faster than you and you're going to benefit from them. They might have a different way of thinking about it than, than, than the Johns do. These things work really well. We see an advisor grow really quickly as a result of being part of them. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Well said. And uh, we, we get some good ideas from the advisors ourselves in the group too. So it is open yeah. communication, a lot of sharing uh, and a lot of fun. And I, and I think you're right. My, my opinion is, really a minimum of a million in production, probably more like a million and a half, $2 million type producers would get the most out of it. Not to say someone at a lower level couldn't, but a lot, of the, a lot of the strategies are really about leading teams and yep. inorganic growth and comp models and some stuff for, for folks that really want to be CEOs of their own practice or are budding C- CEOs of their practice. So with that, John, I know we've done this before, but best way to get in, in touch with you? Hey, the email is great. Uh, John, J-O-N at dynamicdirections-d2.com. You can check out our website. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm everywhere. So reach out to me if you have questions or you want to hear further. I make time every month just to uh, give back a little and have some complimentary coaching sessions. So always happy to provide them to your listeners, John Cotton. You got it, my friend. Well, hey, thanks again for being our guest. Thanks for everybody for listening to another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. And as you know, if you or someone you know could be a good, interesting guest here on our podcast, please don't keep them a secret. Shoot us an email or visit us uh, at cuttingconsultantgroup.com. Have a great day, everybody. And looking forward to seeing you or uh, hearing, or you hearing me actually, I guess, (laughs) on our next episode. Make it a great day. If you are interested in learning more about how Cut and Consulting Group can help you with comprehensive coaching or partnering with CPA firms in your area, feel free to visit our website at www.cutandconsultinggroup.com or reach out to us at 855-722-9393 to have a conversation.